Amen. Amen. All right, who's ready for the word of God? <clears throat> Honestly, I feel like there's a level of expectation in this room today. I can feel it today, and I'm excited. I almost I feel like I'm having a hard time standing still right now, but we want to get started. How many of you guys, by a show of hands, and I can hopefully I can see, have walked through a door today? I hope all of you have, because you're all in here. Do you guys know how many doors I walked through this morning? Take, how many think that it was 10 or less? More than that, more than 50. Any door, any door I've walked through. <laughs> I walked through 79 doorways this morning, just getting ready, coming to church, and getting ready for church. Every doorway that I walked through, I counted. Do you know that I closed about 10 of those doors? And I opened probably about 10 of those doors. <laughs> and, and here's the thing is that we walk through doors without even realizing that we're walking through doors, right? And you guys didn't even realize that you walked through a door to get in here today. <laughs> And I hope you got in, into the door of your car, too, if you got in here as well. But when I was younger, um, I used to have this fascination with, like, secret doors. And so I used to, like, search in, my, in the back of my closet and see if there was, like, some sort of secret door that maybe I could find a secret passageway that would lead to a secret room that would kind of show me, I don't know, just take me to a faraway land that would be just full of all wonderful things. I don't things. think this was just a younger thing for you. I, think I still feel still like that. I still do that. The secret door. I always, whenever there's a door, and actually, um, when, before my, um, actually, I think it was after my, my opa had passed away, we were in the house and we were going through the house and I was in the back part of, of the house and um, I walked in there and all of a sudden I looked against the wall and I saw behind the studs a door and I was like oh, it's a secret door <laughs> and I was so excited about it and I was like where where does this door lead to and I was just kind of trying to be casual about it like hey like you know mom where's this door lead to and she told me that it was originally the entrance to the house but then they renovated the house, and so they blocked it off. But instead of taking the doorway out, they just built over the doorway, and they moved the doorway over to the other side. I thought, ah, oh, that's interesting, and how the doorways can move, and doorways can be closed up. That's true. And so we are going to be obviously talking a little bit about doors today. And one of the things that we talked about a couple of weeks ago is we talked about the prayer of Jabez. And we believe that today's message is really going to tie in a little bit into that prayer of Jabez that we heard uh, a couple of weeks ago. And so I want to get started. I want to read in Acts chapter 10. I like this passage, and you'll know really right away off the bat. It says, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment. We're finally getting a chance to talk about Italians today in church. All right. So, and this guy was a good guy. Look at it. It says he was a devout man and one who feared God with all of his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. And about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. 
and he is lodging with Simon a tanner whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout, devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. And so when he had explained all of these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. Now, we start off here and we have this, this gentleman, right, who's, who's an Italian, okay? And really, this Italian, though, back in this day and age here, he was a Gentile, all right? And so he was not part of the Jewish family. He wasn't part of the Jewish culture. And for the most part, you know, the Jews didn't really get along well with the Gentiles. They didn't really look up to the Gentiles. And, you know, this was kind of what was going on in the practices of these days. But, but God had a different perspective about this man, right? It says here, and it records it in God's word, it says that this man was a devout man. It says that his household feared God, okay? And when he, and then when he prayed God, you know, he talks about how he prayed and, and lifted up his prayers to God. And what I find what's really interesting here is, is that the attributes of Cornelius are specifically recorded in God's word. Okay, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, Jabez a couple weeks ago, right? And it talked about how Jabez was an honorable man. And it set the tone and the foundation for what was taking place in the prayer of Jabez. But it first mentions that he was an honorable man. And this is the same thing that God is doing in this word right here. Is it talks about he was a devout man. He was a man who feared God. And now God is setting up. And I believe there's a correlation really that is set up here in God's word between what God is about to do. Right? And the character of the individual that was set in motion here beforehand. And so I believe that that is really important for us to know and pay attention to what God is doing in the certain passages that we read. That's right. And in verse 4 there, he actually says, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. And I want you to just listen to this for a second. God pays attention to you. God pays attention to everything that's happening in your life. And here, when God's paying attention to him, he's not even just saying like, oh, because he's an honorable man, because he fears me, I'm going to listen to him. What he actually says and references is that his prayers and his alms, how many of you know that when God is, God is paying attention to your prayers, he's paying attention to your giving. And there's actually a story in the book of, where are we here? Luke 21 verses one to four. And this is a story of the widow who gave her last night. It says, and he looked up and he saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. So he said, truly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all for all these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God, but she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood that she had. See, God pays attention to what you do. And if it's something that you're just giving, just, you know what, this, I, this really doesn't mean anything to me anyway, so I'm just going to give it. This prayer doesn't really mean anything. So, you know, it's okay. I'm just, I'm just going to say it anyways. Lord bless them anyways, you know, uh, Lord heal them. We thank you, you know, and, and just these little tiny things. But when it means something to you, when it's your very last moment, when it's your very last night and you got nothing else afterwards, you don't know where your next meal is going to come from. You don't know how the bills are going to be paid, but you give that to God and God says, I see you and I will meet you 
where you're at. God is faithful. He sees us. He's El Roy, the God who sees you. And he sees every moment that you're in and every motive, every heart. It's re it really comes down to a heart issue. Our, our giving, our worship, everything, this is all about the heart. No matter what we look, look like on the outside, doesn't truly matter. What matters is where, where the heart is. And is your heart the one that is pouring out before God? Is your heart the one that is desperate before God, saying, God, no matter what, my heart cries after you. And so this is really where it all starts at, is, is at the heart of where Cornelius is. And God recognizes this, and he records it in Scripture for us. And then what happens is, is that God gives him a vision to prepare him for what he's about to do. And so now Cornelius, who's completely oblivious to what God is attempting to try to do, he gets a command from God to basically say, send for Peter over in Joppa, right? And, and so what does he do? You know what? It, he, he doesn't sit there. He doesn't have an argument with God. He doesn't have a debate with God. He doesn't, you know, question X, Y, Z. But what he does is he acts in the simplicity of obedience to the instruction that God gave on that day. And so what happens is, is that he extends out this invitation and according to what God's will is when he doesn't have the understanding. How many times are we in that particular place where God says to do something and you don't have the full understanding of it? It even says in God's word, it says a peace of God that surpasses all understanding because intellectually we don't always understand exactly what God's trying to do. And this is the place that Cornelius is in but he just acts with obedience. And so now what's happening though is, is that as he talks and he gives instruction to Cornelius, he's also working behind the scenes and he's having another conversation with another man who God's just given him instructions to go send for, which is Peter. And so now we pick up here in verse number nine and it says, the next day as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. And in it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and the birds of the air. And a voice came to him and said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I'm a vegetarian. No, I'm joking. <laughs> He said, but Peter said, not so, Lord, for I've never eaten anything uncommon or, or sorry, anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time and said, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. And this was done three times. And then the object was taken up into heaven again. And so here you got Peter who's praying and he's hungry. He's praying and he's hungry. He's, he's hangry. How many of you are in a place, you know, of, of being hungry for the things of God? How many of you are hangry? You know, you know I, I know in our household, when people get hangry, you know, it, it's, a, it's a whole other story, right? Like, no one's waiting around for wrong. food. It's like, I want food, and I want it now. And if I don't have my food now, there's going to be a price to pay. And it's a big price because I am hangry. You guys know what I'm talking about? You've been there in your home. You know, certain people have, you know, more grace than others for that period of time. But I'm telling you, it's something that happens, right? And so Peter's sitting there and he has this vision. And then, 
you know, I know if, if I have a vision, you know, Sherry has these visions all the time. And, and sometimes, you know, you have a vision and you're wondering, you know, is it from the pizza that I just ate? You know, is it one of those pizza dreams or whatever? It's not because I was hangry. Or is it because I'm, I'm, I'm hangry? And I find it hilarious that God literally has this dream for him while he's hungry about food. So he's going to wake up and he's going to do what everyone else does when he wakes up. You know, you're like, was that from God? Was that dream from God or was that just me being hungry because I know I'm hungry right now? And, and so he's sitting here and he's pondering. And this is what it actually says. It says in Acts 10, 17, it says, Now while Peter wondered within himself what the vision which he had seen meant. That's exactly what he was doing. God, what is this? Is this vision, you know? What does it mean? And he's pondering upon it. And it says, Behold the men who he had sent, who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And I'm going to just jump forward a little bit now into verse, uh, into verse 23. And it says, He invited them in and lodged them. And on the next day, Peter went away with them and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. So there's a moment here that I want you guys to recognize. We started the story off with Cornelius, okay? And Cornelius has a vision, and he says to send for Peter. He doesn't know what's going on. He's oblivious to it. But then at the same time that's happening, God's on the other side of the mountain preparing Peter. And he's bringing Peter up with a vision as well to be able to connect these two dots. And I think this is really important because a lot of times we, we, we're always looking for that provision but we want the provision to happen before we, before we step forth and we do the command that God has asked us to do in obedience, which was to walk forth and to go send for Peter. And so just like happened with Abraham and, I, Abraham and Isaac with the sacrifice, he was going to sacrifice. He was told as an instruction to sacrifice Isaac. But at the same time, God brought a ram up on the other side of the mountain. And at the perfect timing, God revealed that that sacrifice wasn't to happen that way, but it was going to happen this way with the ram that was caught in the thicket. And I think we need to pay attention to these things because God is always working on your behalf. Even when you don't see it, there's often two sides that are coming together to a point. And we need to be aware of that. And I think this is even something here about inquiring of the Lord. Like inquiring of God is such a key portion of things is that so many times people are like, oh, this doesn't make sense. Oh, it's probably God. Well, that's not the way it works because sometimes it makes sense and sometimes it doesn't make sense. It, we have to inquire of God, of God, what are you requiring of me? What are you asking me to do? And as we keep that relationship flowing between us and God, then he's going to lead us to things. And in, that, in those moments, I can imagine Abraham, you know, in that moment where he's like, okay, God is telling me to take my son and go sacrifice him. He's got to have a plan for this because that would not have been a normal thing to do. You don't just think like, oh, here's my son. I think this doesn't make sense to go sacrifice him, but I'm going to go do it. He had to have known that he known that he knew, known whatever. He had to have known that it was God that he was supposed to do that. And while he was being obedient to God in the unknown, God provided for him at, after he already took the steps of faith. So we want to go back into Acts chapter 10 in verse 24. It says, and the following day they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them. I like that. Cornelius is waiting. It says, and he called together his relatives and his close friends. I want to stop here for a second because this, this part, this whole story just like, 
amazes me because I'm like, here, Cornelius, you know, is told that, you know, somebody's coming, go, go get Peter, he's coming. And he doesn't know why, he doesn't know what's going on. So what does he do? He goes and he's like, somebody's coming and we don't really know why, but we're going to get everybody together because we're waiting for something to happen. We know something's going to happen. And there's an expectation that is happening on the inside of Cornelius and not just Cornelius, but every single person that came with him called together his relatives, not just his family members, but his close friends. And it says, as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. That's interesting in itself. Next verse. But Peter lifted him up saying, uh, stand up, I'm also a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. Then he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. It says, so Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard. And this is something that I feel like God is saying to you. He's saying, Linda, your prayer has been heard. He's saying, Brent, your prayer has been heard. He's saying, your prayer has been heard. So he says, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon a Tanner by the sea. I went to Simon the Tanner's house. It was pretty cool. It says, when he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. Is this where we're stopping? This is an amazing, amazing passage of scripture. First of all, you have to imagine here, okay, you have Cornelius who bows down before him, right? And he's like, oh, hold on, like, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just a man, like, don't, don't bow down before me. He's like, I'm just, just like everybody else. And then he goes on to say, so that must have been, like, completely uncomfortable for him, the fact that, like, first of all, I'm going here. I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't even know what I'm saying. I'm just being obedient to a dream that I had that I know that God sent to me, so I'm just being obedient to go. And so I'm going. I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what I'm going to do. And here this guy bows down before me, and that's uncomfortable because I'm just a man, and I don't need people just bowing down to me. And then, and then he says something that I think is absolutely incredible because if somebody said something like this to us today it would be greatly offensive he's like you know what everybody knows i'm better than you you're less than me i shouldn't even be here associating with you because you know everybody knows this is not something that we do but you should be grateful because i'm here and i really don't think that he came in that in that motive of I'm better than you but that's what everybody knew around and so that's what he's speaking to is that everybody knows that this is this is uncommon this isn't the way that things happen but God must be doing something because here I am before you and here I am I'm going to do something I don't know what it is I'm going to do but I'm coming and I'm standing at that doorway and here I am in that moment there's a moment all right that's for sure so what happens next is, is that in verse number 25, it says, as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him. And I want to stop right here in this particular part, because when you come into a house, okay, you come in through a door. 
And so here he is coming in through the door, okay? And as he's entering into the door, it says that Cornelius met him as he came in. And so I want to stop right here. And I just want to talk for a moment even about doors. I told you we're going to talk about doors today, all right? So listen, a door is something that usually is swinging or is usually a swinging or a sliding barrier by which entry is closed or open. It's typically made of what? Wood. Okay, and it normally has handles on it or bars. And, and here's one of the things about doors, right, is, is that they need to basically be properly fit together in order to accomplish the desired effect that you, that door is meant to achieve. Okay, so if you have it that's set up, you know, in, in different ways, so it has to fit. Okay, I, I remember a story, you know, when I was younger, I had friends who were in construction and they were at a construction site and there was a, a newbie on the site who they always seemed to have fun with. And, and when they got onto the site, they had ordered doors and all the doors arrived and I think they were, 30, you know, just say 32 inch doors and they needed to be 34. So if you try to install a 32-inch door on a 34-inch door, you know what? They don't fit. There's a gap, right? So they gave them a tool, and they said, hey, all these doors came in. They're all 32, but they need to be 34. We need to get a couple inches out of them. Can you use this wood stretcher, and can you stretch the door to be able to get another two inches out of the door so they all fit? And the newbie looked at it, and he said, well... I might be able to get an inch, but I'm not sure I can get two. So for all of you who don't know much about doors, doors are dead. The wood's already been cut. There's no stretching a door. And so there's, there's things that we have to know about doors. If they're too tall or they're too short or they're too wide or they're too narrow, all of them are not going to fit the purpose a hundred percent of what God's instructions were for the, or sorry, what that door is meant to be. Okay. So I know I've taken off, I've done renovations at my house. I've taken off all the closet doors once, right? As a part of a renovation. And you know what I didn't do? I didn't mark the doors. Okay. <laughs> and they're all supposed to be the same size door, but you know what? They weren't all the same size door. Anybody realizes that if you try to take that door and move it over to this place, it doesn't fit right because everything has to be perfectly aligned with what it's meant to be able to do in the particular doorway that God had placed that door to be. Does that make sense? And so I really believe that there's a lot of things that are you know, important here. And when we look at this particular passage, okay, have you ever thought about doors? Did you ever think about the door that is right here and what they how they operate, what they do, what their purpose is, right? Doors have a lot of different things that, that they're designed to be able to do. One of it is obviously, is it acts, acts as an entrance, okay, or an exit from one room or from a build or, you know, from one thing to another, okay? So like, if I want to go out of this room right now, I would walk through the door. I would exit out of here and I would enter into the next room. They also act actually in different ways where they can act as a barrier to protect from both dangers or even noise. You know what I can tell you in our household, when things are noisy, you know what's happening? Close the door because the door acts as a barrier and it also acts as a protection. There's another thing that's actually really practical for us that actually is in the passing 
of light and air through buildings. Actually, doors help with that whole process. And that's, there's, there's a whole lot to know about doors. It's interesting because earlier when I went to go check on something up in the kids' uh, church today, mm -hmm. I was walking up the stairs and my first thought was, why is this door closed? And then as I got closer up around the staircase, I saw there was a sign on there that said, please keep door closed to keep the cold air inside. I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Okay, now I know there's a purpose as to why this door is actually closed. But if I wouldn't have seen that sign, I would have been like, I'm going to open this door because there's no reason why this door should be closed, right? And I don't know who that's for, but that's for somebody is that there, you, there has been a door that's closed in your life and you, your natural instinct is that you want to go and open that door, but there's a sign on the door and you need to find that sign that says, keep this door closed right now because there's a purpose for it. So you need to find that purpose in it. But going on to doors, so this is just even leading into this, you know, we've been talking about physical doors, but how many know when we talk about doors, we, there, doors can represent, doorways can represent opportunities and, and a passage and an access point and things like that. And we can actually see in Acts, I think it's chapter 16. Is that what it is? Um, verse six, it says, now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. There was a door that was closed to them to be able to go into a certain region and preach the gospel. And this is the thing as, as children of God is that we need to be very sensitive to the Holy Spirit to hear where he's leading us and where he's telling us to go, what doors to go through. Because as, as I was realizing this morning and I'm, and I'm going through doorways and I'm going through doorways and I'm going through doorways and I'm opening doors and I'm closing certain doors and I'm opening certain doors, I'm realizing that this is such a correlation to the spiritual world, is that on, an, on a given basis on everybody's life, you have many, many, many doors that you're going to be walking through. You have many, many doors that are presented before you, but it doesn't mean that all those doors are what you should be going through. When I was about um, 12 years old, I had this dream. This was probably one of my most, my first most vivid dream that I ever had. And um, of course it was, um, I, I, in our house, we had what I thought was a large closet. Now it's probably a small closet, but it was, to me, to my 12-year-old, it, it was a large closet. And so I got up from my sleep and I walked over to the closet and I heard a voice tell me to open up the door. And so I opened up the closet door, said, move the clothes over. So I pushed the clothes over this way and I walked into the side and there was a doorway there. So I walked through the doorway, and as I walked through the doorway, I walked up the staircase. And as I was walking up to the staircase, there was two doors at the top of the staircase. And I didn't know, I, I just, I didn't know where I was going. I was just going up the staircase. And as I went to go walk through the one at the very top, I was directed to walk through the one on the right. And when I walked through the one on the right, I won't tell you the whole, whole dream, but it was, it was something personal to me. And what I saw in that room was something that spoke to me for my future for many for many years to come. And, and what I'm saying there is that there's going to be doors of opportunity and there's going to be things in your life that you are presented with and maybe two doors beside each other. And it doesn't mean that just because the door has been presented before you that you need to walk through it. But this is where you need to be guided by the Holy Spirit to know that, okay, I'm not going through this door at the top of the stairs. I'm going to just make a turn here and I'm going through this door because what's behind this door is what God has called me to do. But I don't know what's behind this door and I don't have to know what's behind this door because it's okay because I'm following God's will and this is where I'm going and this is what God is calling us to is that we have to be so sensitive to hear his voice we have to know uh, that he is the doorway and and you know the Bible actually even says in um, John 10 9 he says I am the door if anyone enters by me he will be saved and will go out 
go in and out and find pasture. Jesus plainly says that he is the door. He is the doorway that we need. He is the doorway that we need to lead others to. And there is something that as we lead people to him, that that doorway is opened up. And there are pathways that are opened that we can't experience unless we go to Jesus first. Unless we go to him, we won't experience him as the door. And we can't just sit at the door. We need to go through that doorway. We need to encounter him and we need to get to a place where he is everything that we need. He is everything in this moment. He is everything at every moment of every day of our life. And that this moment is not something that I'm willing to walk away and say, I'm just going to find out what's behind this door. Because Jesus is, there's, there's only one way to God the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ, the door. Amen. You see, the kingdom of God, as Pastor Sherry just mentioned here, is, is that it's all centric around relationships. Our relationships with God, who is a door, right? As well as our relationship with other people who are doors. And so here you have, if you go back to that verse, it says, and Peter came in and Cornelius met him. And here we have Peter, okay? Peter, who was a central figure right now. He was a central figure on the day of Pentecost where he brought the message of salvation to the people who were around him at that time. When the Holy Spirit came, he helped deliver that message of salvation and through the work and the day and the arrival of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Okay, so you know what? Peter was a door. And here he is talking to another man, Cornelius, who unbeknownst to him at this moment, he doesn't even realize that he's a door but he's got another door that's standing right in front of him. And you know what? They're standing at the door of a household. And then on top of that, it's all being orchestrated by the door, God Almighty. So here we have a door meeting a door at a door orchestrated by a door. Let's try that again. I got a door meeting a door at a door orchestrated by a door which was our heavenly father. That's a big deal. We have all of this converging together right now at this household of Cornelius, which has been all orchestrated by God. Here's a divine vision for you. Here's a divine vision for you. I'm going to get you all together. Nobody knows what's going on, but the heavenly father knows what's going on. And when he hits this place, right, the doors are all converging together. And I want to talk for a minute about what's taking place at the door. And the first thing that's taking place is humility. Cornelius bows down and worships. Now, his doctrine obviously is not really on point here. He doesn't realize that he shouldn't be worshiping Peter until he's instructed to do so. But he was humble and worked in humility. And this is another attribute of his character that is revealed to us as here is a humble man. You got to remember, Cornelius is not just a nobody. He's a centurion. He's, a, he's in the Roman army here, and he has many, many people who report to him. This is somebody who in his own house invites somebody by, and yet he gets down low in, a rev, in reverence and worship to the man who comes in. And there's a principle here, because often when, you are, when you're high and you're lifted up in pride, you know what? You can't get through the door. You got it. But when you're low, you can get through the door because there's a principle here of humility. And humility, right, is what we really want to know. And humility is a prerequisite in this scenario to what God is unlocking in the next layer behind the door. 
Amen. The second thing that happened at the door is there was this stretching. You know, I'm sure, like I said, it was uncomfortable for Peter to get to the doorway. And then, you know, here Cornelius is bowing down. He doesn't even know this is something that's completely out of his comfort zone. It wouldn't be something that he would normally do. He had to be directly spoken to in a dream in order to be able to go and do this. And so there was an uncomfort, un uncomfortableness in that moment. And he had to be stretched. And just as Pastor Brian was talking about that, that wood stretcher, that door stretcher, and doors, wood doors can't be stretched because they're dead. But do you know what? We can be stretched because we are alive in Christ. And so we have the ability to be flexible and we have the ability to be like, okay, God, you know what? This is not within the scope of my abilities. This is not what I would normally be able to do, but I'm going to do it because you've required it of me. And I'm going to be flexible and I'm going to allow the spirit to flow through me. How many know that in order to have elasticity in your skin, you need to have um, some moisture in your skin. You have to drink water. You have to have have that water inside of you and that's a representation of the Holy Spirit and so in order for you to be flexible you have to add the Holy Spirit into your life so that you can walk in a life full of flexibility and um, what's the scripture I want to go Proverbs 25 21 to 22 it says if your enemy is hungry give him bread to eat and if he is thirsty give him water to drink for so you will heap coals of fire on his head and the Lord will reward you do you know there are times where God is gonna ask you to do something the Holy Spirit's going to impress upon your heart that you need to step out and you need to do something. And it's going to feel uncomfortable. It's going to feel like, ooh, but should I? But what are they going to think of me? What are people going to say? There are a lot of people around and people might hear me. Have you guys ever felt that before? Like somebody might hear me. You know, God says, I want you to go and I want you to pray for this person. And you're like, okay. Amen. Amen. And that's it. No, what God is saying is that I want you to go lay your hands on that person. And I want you to declare healing over their body in Jesus' name. And I want you to speak to the things that I'm going to tell you to speak, speak to. Because I'm going to give you words of knowledge. I'm going to give you understanding. And an open eyes to be able to see into their life. To be able to see where I want to touch in their lives and heal and bring to me. Because this is going to be a witness that I am alive. And that they need me. And this is what God is saying. So in those moments of uncomfort, in those moments when we feel like, God, uh, can you call somebody else? I don't have what it takes inside. I can't do this. And God says, but you can because I created you and my power is alive on the inside of you. And so no matter what I've called you to do, I've equipped you to do. And that now you just need to step out in faith because you can do it because I've said you can do it. The next thing that's taking place at the door, and I'm just going to go over this real quick, is it's uncertain, okay? It says here right in, in verse number 29, it says, Therefore I came without objection as, a, as I was sent for. I asked then, for what reason have you sent me? And then he goes through, and Cornelius in response and says, well, I had a vision and so forth, and it said to send you. So here you got the guy showing up at the house. He has no idea why he's there, and he asks the guy why he sent for him, and he says, I have no idea why I sent for you. I just know I was asked to send for you. And the other guy says, I don't know why I'm here other than I was told to come. Mm -hmm. They're all sitting around, and they're scratching their head and saying, I'm pretty confused. I don't know. What's... How many know that sometimes when you're standing at the door, 
and you're, and you're in the door there, there's a place of uncertainty. Sometimes there's a place of even, you know, confusion. And sometimes it's a question of, of, why am I here? What is my value? What is my worth? What's going on in this whole scenario? And that's where they're finding themselves standing here at the door. So then the next thing is that there was a transparency at that door. And, you know, just as Pastor, Pastor Brian's talking here is that, you know, they didn't know what they were doing. Cornelius had no idea. He's just following God. Peter has no idea. He's just following God. And so when he gets there and he's standing in the doorway, there's a transparency of, you know, I don't, I don't know why I'm here. I normally wouldn't be here, but I'm here. So, um... I'm just going to do what I know how to do. And this is what I love about Peter is because he's like, I'm not going to be waiting for this like aha moment where God's going to give me the words to say, and I'm just going to go off and I'm just going to be, you know, um, flowing in this big, massive kind of moment. No, what he does is he's like, I'm going to do what I know how to do. I'm going to preach the gospel. And so he just begins to open up his mouth and he's sharing the gospel with everybody who's there. And so as he's sharing the gospel, all of a sudden the power of God is beginning to fall on the place. And the Holy Spirit comes in that place and they begin to speak in tongues. And all of a sudden there's a power that they don't even understand. They don't even know what they're doing. But everybody, not just Cornelius, but every person that he invited in that place, every family member that is with him, every friend that is with him, everybody that he thought of is crammed in that house. And all of a sudden the power of God is flowing and they're beginning to pray. And God is beginning to speak and move in their life. And this is what God is calling us to do. He's calling us to do what we know how to do. And when all these doors meet together and that power of God was released through it, what took place is that there was, a, there was an exponential expansion that was released into the earth right then. Because not only was Christianity that, at that point only reserved for the Jews, but now it was opened up to the entire Gentile population. And so here God is expanding not only Cornelius and his household, he's not only expanding Peter, but he's expanding the entirety of his plan of Christianity. When doors meet doors, this is what happens. We have expansion that occurs within God's kingdom. Amen. 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 This is good stuff. This is, I just get so excited about this because the thought of this causes me to think about all the possibilities of what God is doing and what God can mm -hmm. do. And if each and every one of us goes out and just does what we know how to do and allow God to flow through that, all of a sudden we're going to start seeing doors opening up all over our lives. Mm -hmm. We're going to start being aware of the doors that we're walking through and God is going to begin to move. So a quick few points before we wrap up. Number one, you have to leave the past behind to enter into a new season. You see, when somebody comes to my house and they're just standing in the doorway, then I usually, if, I'm, if they're only going to be quick and they're not staying, I won't say anything to them. But if I want to invite them up, I'll say, do you want to come up? Well, if they say, no, 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 I can't stay long, they'll just stand at the doorway. But if they're ready to take their shoes off and come up and just enjoy it, my company, they're going to come up and they're going to make a choice to enter into the new place. And this is what God is calling us to is that, you know what, some of us have been walking through seasons where we don't want to leave that behind us. We're not ready to take off our shoes and enter into the new season. We kind of want to still enjoy this. We still, we're grieving this. We're missing this. We want this. But God is saying that I can't give you everything that I have unless you leave this part behind and you take a step forward through the doorway and you allow yourself to keep moving on. And you can't camp in the doorway. You can't camp there's, in there's the doorway. There's a phrase I told Pastor Sherry. I said, you know, it's poop or get off the pot. Right? That. You know, you can't <laughs> sit there in the doorway. You got to either move forward 
or stay behind, that God's doing something different, and you got to make that change. Absolutely. So number two is, you know, Jabez prayed, Lord, expand my territory. And, you know, as we preached a couple weeks about a couple weeks ago about Jabez and expanding our territory and stuff like that, it's not about us personally. It's about the kingdom of God and everything that we're putting our hand forth to do and all the expectation of expansion in our life is not for our own benefit. We do benefit from it because God is a good God, but it's not for our benefit. It's for the benefit of the kingdom of God. And we're here to um, get, bring more people people into the kingdom and bring more people to God so we're not going out just so that I could have more money in my bank account. Mm -hmm. I mean, it'd be nice to have more money in my bank account, but that's not what we're here for. <laughs> we are here for people. We're here for one another. We're here to love each other. Yep. The third thing is that we need to ensure that the doors that we are walking through are orchestrated through Christ, who is the door. You see, the devil knows about counterfeit. We talked about this last week. And there's an interesting story real quick. I, I know we got to wrap up in a second, but there's a story when I was um, in, in that year that Pastor Brian and I did not talk to each other. I met somebody and he looked exactly like him, talked like him. Everything except for there was one thing was his relationship with God was not there. And so you know, I was like, well, if I can't have Brian, and, and I, I, I fell for it, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to start dating him. And my, my parents pulled me aside, my authority pulled me aside and said, I know if you start dating this man, you're going to marry him, and then you're going to experience the fruits of marrying him afterwards. And they handed me this book, and it was called Knight in Shining Armor, and it was all about counterfeits. And I read it, and I heard God's voice clear as day, this man is a counterfeit for what I have brought your way. You need to be patient and wait for it. And so I said, okay, God, um, if you are telling me that this man is a counterfeit in my life, then I'm going to test this out. And so I had this thing and I thought, I'm going to call him and I'm going to say, listen, I need to take this much time to pray and to find out my next step steps in life. And it was a period of like three months that I said I wanted to um, take this time. So I said it and in an instant... I am so glad I was not in that room because I was in the, if I was in the room with him, I probably would have left black and blue. I saw a whole nother side of things that I didn't see previously. And I knew instantly because I had asked God to show me through this question if this was counterfeit or if this was the real thing. Mm -hmm. And so I said, you know what? I don't even need to take three months. I got it. The answer is no, I cannot date you. And so within not long afterwards was when Pastor Brian and I actually started dating. Um, the real deal. The real deal. He's a real deal. And here we are 20 years later, you know, All right. but, but this is the thing is that, you know, the enemy throws counterfeits our way and they look a lot like the real thing. And if you aren't sensitive to God's voice, and if you don't know the real thing, then it's easy to be duped. And I don't care who you are, how much knowledge you have, or what has gone in, on in your life, we are all susceptible to that type of thing happening in our life. And so we have to be very sensitive to the Holy Spirit to know, God, okay, is this a counterfeit in my life? Or is this something that you've called and orchestrated in my life? I don't want to walk through doors that he hasn't orchestrated. I only want to be sensitive to walk through the doors that he has called me to walk through in my life. Why don't you guys stand with me right now? Stand. I just want to pray. Do you have something to say? I, I want to you close go, out you, this okay, one point, and then we'll pray. <laughs> but I have this point here, and it says, there's a right way and a wrong way to access a door. 
Okay, it talks about in that same passage of scripture where Jesus was talking about, I am, I am the door, right? It talks about how thieves and robbers go around the door, okay? And I believe that there's a, there's a proper way for you to be able to go through the door. And see, a lot of times people, thieves, robbers, they want to go around the door. They want to go around the shepherd. They want to go around the gatekeeper. They want to do the different things. Or if there's a door that's in front of them, they see it as a barrier that's uh, not protecting them, but stopping them from where they want to go. And I believe that this is really important for us today is, is that what are we listening to? What are we being guided by? Are we being guided by the God of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Are we listening to him as the door and the gateway for our last, or are we looking to go around that door and do things on our own? And I really believe that's the, the part that I want to wrap up with, and Pastor Sherry can pray. All right, Father, I just thank you, Lord, just for the doors that you've put in our life. And I just ask that you open up our eyes of understanding to be able to see which doors that we need to walk through, Father. And if there are doors in our life that have been left open that need to be closed, I ask, Father, that you reveal that to us this day. God, we open up our hearts to you to be able to see and to hear your voice and to know where you are leading us, where you are calling us. I thank you that you are Jehovah Ori, the Lord, our light, and that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So today, Father, we choose to inquire of the Lord. We choose to dive into your word today. And I thank you, Father, that you are leading us and that you don't lead us astray, Father. Today, we choose you and we choose to follow you no matter how uncertain it seems, no matter how far out it seems, Father. But if we know that we know that we know that you've spoken to us, Father, help us to walk that out in Jesus' name, that we would no longer make camp in the doorway of indecision, that we wouldn't be double-minded, that we wouldn't be thinking one way, the other way, this day, this, this day, that. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we would be firm in our decision to follow you and where you are leading us. We thank you for that this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If we could have you all just sit back down for a quick moment. You guys can.